0: Welcome. I'm not Pastor Jeff. <laughs> He's right there. <laughs> the pressure is on. <laughs> well, for those of you that don't know, my name is Frank Diskin. I'm here with my lovely wife, Kim. And, uh, hey, amen. She's the lovely side of the family. And uh, I'm thankful for her. She is an amazing gift to me. And it uh, has been to my wife and to, to my life and my children, now our grandchildren. We just had a uh, number six grandchild just a few weeks ago to my son down in West Virginia and, uh, and his wife. And uh, my middle daughter is expecting uh, as well in March. So we'll have seven grandchildren. So is that the, what number is that? The number of, the number of completion. So we're done. I don't, well, that's up to them, I suppose. But, uh, but then great grandchildren—you know—those come along. So, but I, I have the honor today to stand before you and and, and share on my what has been on my heart uh, from the Word of God. And I'm and I'm grateful to Pastor Jeff for uh, asking me to do this today. And it's just an honor to be here to speak to you today. So, thank you for your your kind attention. And <laughs> for not throwing anything, you know, if you get angry at me. So today, you know, how many know what this week is? Thank, that's right, Kalani, Thanksgiving, and we are going to have a great time this this week. Really, we all have our own traditions. When you think of Thanksgiving, what do you, what do you think of? Turkey, what else? What was that? Football. Football, so, so we can watch the, the Lions and, and the Cowboys lose to whatever team is playing them. Oh, sorry, Kim. <laughs> I, I should talk. I'm a Giants fan and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Nothing to cheer about this year. <laughs> but uh, anything else you can think of? Family. Fam- yes, we get together with family. All of the food, all of the, uh, the, the things that go along with it. The football. What's that? Sleep. There you go, taking a nice nap. <laughs> so, but you know what? We think of those things, but I didn't hear anybody say for thanking God for all the blessings in our life. You know how many? How many times? How many times do all of these other things, the the secular part of Thanksgiving, how many times does that overshadow? Uh, what the true meaning of thanksgiving is supposed to be i mean from what i understand the pilgrims had the first thanksgiving and it was to thank the lord for helping them through one of the, t- the worst winters that they've ever experienced and and all of the people that actually died in 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 that winter and and the ones that were that survived and were remaining instead of being all bitter at god and 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 and, and cursing god they decided we're going to have a a feast to thank God for his blessings in this new land that we are in. So, as we see, Thanksgiving can become something a little bit less than what it's it's supposed to be. So, again, we focus on the football and turkey, and then taking a nap. What is that, the the tryptophan or something in the turkey? You know, now that we know that, you know, the, the... the medical and technical name of it, we have a real good excuse to oh it's the tryptophan, I gotta take a nap. <laughs> so uh but how much time on that day or really throughout the year do we give thought to all that the Lord has blessed us with. Every minute. Amen. Well that's the way it that's the way it should be. But sometimes it's not depending on on who we are and you know where we're at. So as I was thinking about this Thanksgiving, I was really thinking, God, I really got to get into this, the thankfulness to you this year. Um, and then I've been, we've been listening to Pastor Jeff's messages on value, valuing and valuing the kingdom of God. Amen? And the thought came to me that our thankfulness actually reveals who or what we value most. The, the more thankful for, we are for something... Or someone, the more value we place on them, can you see that? So, for example, I'm kind of an ice cream aholic, you know. I'll stand up and I'll confess. I, I've been a, you know, an ice cream lover for many, many years, and, and some people say, yeah, I can see that. But uh, but I love when ice cream goes on sale, you know, especially at Stewart's down the road here. You know, I, and the blessing now is that we go to this church, I have to drive right by Stewart's to get home. And it's, you know, and then I see the big, you know, sale, 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 sale. And peanut butter pandemonium, how many like peanut butter pandemonium? Yeah, that's like my, that's like my, um, my great weakness. But when, this, when the ice cream is on sale, I'm very thankful. How many can see that? Because I, I value ice cream. My flesh does, I should say. But because I value ice cream, I'm thankful when I see that sign, $3.99 for a half a gallon. And I go in and I'll buy you know enough to fill up my chest freezer in the other room. <laughs> but, you know, when I go to the store, the grocery store, and I see that calves liver is on sale, so much per pound. How many, how many, think, how many would be thankful for that? There's some here that would be thankful for it. But I walk right by that and go, ugh, calves liver. <laughs> so I don't value calves liver at all. So when it's on sale, I'm not thankful, to be honest with you. So as I've been thinking about this in connection, this thankfulness and value, that I, it's very important because what we value most will open the door to what that person or, or object possesses and is able to. To provide. If we value it and we're thankful for it, it opens the door to that to that thing benefiting our lives and blessing our lives. Amen? I vet, When I value the ice cream and I open it up and I put those two scoops, three scoops, all right, four. Four scoops wow. in a thing. Okay, yeah. As, as I said, I'm ice cream I mean, it what it provides to me is, is lovely tastes to my taste buds. So, but, but I'm opening myself up. And that's a very carnal, by the way, very carnal example. I don't know why I use that, but it's what came to mind. So if we value God and his kingdom more than anything else, everything that his kingdom possesses is open to us, and our hearts will naturally be thankful to him. Can you see that? That when we're thankful to God and his kingdom, Everything that the kingdom possesses can be ours because we enter into that through the value of it and through the thankfulness for it. But on the other hand, if we value the things of this world more than God, we will only receive what the world has to offer, which has no eternal value at all. When we put our hope and trust in anything or anyone but God, we are essentially forsaking the source of everything we need. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to, him, to you. When we seek the kingdom, amen, of God and his righteousness, we're showing value. We're being thankful. We're seeking him first. Then the things that the kingdom possesses, which are all the provisions that we need for life, will be added to us. Remember in the last message I preached, um, I talked about idols. Anybody remember that? (laughs) And uh, I talked about how that they have no real power, these idols in our life. They have no power to meet the true needs of our hearts and lives. When the prophet Jonah, I remember the story of Jonah, Jonah and the whale. You know, we learned that in children's church. But, you know, God told Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, no. And he went the other way. He said, I'm going to go as far away from Nineveh as I possibly can. And then he gets on a ship. The storm rages on the ship. And, and everybody's like, what's going on? What's going on? And Jonah says, "What well, it's me. <laughs> so if you throw me overboard, uh, the storm will pass. And so they do. They throw him overboard. And the storm subsides. But Jonah gets swallowed by a great fish. Some translations say a whale. Some say a great fish. So Here's what Jonah in the belly of the, of the fish prays in Jonah chapter 2, verse 7 and 9. He says, As my life was fading away, he's in a fish. He's got fish guts all around him, and he probably can't breathe too well. <laughs> yeah, that's gross. I remembered the Lord as he was fading away. My prayer went up to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols, Forsake his loving devotion. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. I will fulfill what I vowed. Salvation comes from the Lord. So as Jonah prays, he realizes that he has forsaken God's loving devotion through the idolatry of his own self-will. Did you know what, that when God tells us to do something or we read something and we feel... God saying do that every time we we do what we want instead of what God is telling us to do either in his word or in our hearts we're we're in idolatry to our own self-will our will above God's will not it's not God thy will be done not my will it's my will be done not thy will that's a type of idolatry of our own self-will and self-reliance but then he lifts up his voice Thanksgiving to the Lord and and repentance, and God delivers him in a great, mighty vomit (laughs) as he goes to the shore and the fish spits him up, the Bible says. Spits him up on the shore. But we see here, when Jonah's view and value of God increased, his thankfulness to God increased. Because he says, with the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. He began to see the truth about God. He began to see that God was more important than God, was more powerful than anything. And it naturally, because he began to value the Lord in his heart, thankfulness just sprung up out of him. And it, and it brought deliverance to him. Amen? you see that? So I believe that when it comes to our relationship with God, the same principle applies. Let's go to Psalm chapter 28, verse 7. This is David speaking. He says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him, my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song, I give thanks to him. See, we see in this psalm that that the great value that David places on the Lord, He, he acknowledges, God, you're my strength, you're my shield. I trust in you, my heart trusts in you, and you're the one, you're my helper, you're the one that helps me. So my heart overflows, exalts means to overflow with praise. And with my song, I what? Give thanks to him. This morning, I want to explore this connection. We're already starting to establish it a little bit. Between thankfulness and our value of God. We will see how it grows in us and how, and the great effect that it can have in our lives as we draw closer to the Lord with hearts of gratitude and praise. Amen. So, in, discuss, in, in discussing this, I was saying, how do I approach this, Lord? The Lord said, Well, let's go right back to the basics. Let's go right back to the beginning. How how does this happen? How do how are we even able to value God? How are we even able to give God thanks? And so we're going to discuss what or who comes first. How many have heard the expression? What comes first, the chicken or the egg? Right, and we all know it's what. Yeah, see, egg, chicken, 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 egg. Nobody, nobody really knows. <clears throat> Excuse me. The debate. This debate has been raging for eons, <laughs> and I suppose we will never fully agree. Uh, but in looking at this subject, I think it would be helpful to understand the basis for our value of God in our gratitude towards him what comes first in 1st john chapter 4 what does it say we love him why because he first loved us so our love for god is 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 a response to his love he loved us first so we respond to that love and and begin to value him because he is the one that initiated the love towards us but even then, we couldn't really come to love Him unless He drew us to Himself to become His child. You know, we can we can know and read that God loved us, and and but we can't really say that we can love Him until we become one of His children. In John chapter six forty four, it says, "No no one can come to to Me." This is Jesus speaking. No one can come to Me unless the Father who sends Me sends Me. Sorry, sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So we see that it all starts with God. We couldn't value or, or give him thanks unless he first loved us and then drew us into a relationship with him. So when we become saved, that's when it starts. That's when it starts. He, he showed he loved us by what? Sending Jesus to die for us on the cross. And then... He drew us to Himself. All of us have our own personal testimony story of how God drew you. Some are very, very dramatic and very uh, out of great, great uh, tragedy and 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 pain. You came to the Lord. Other people grew up in church their whole life and were very moral and and did everything right. And but there was a point where you thought, you know, I just don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if if I have a relationship with God. So you so. At some point, somebody prayed a prayer, and you agreed with them, and you agreed with that prayer, and you entered into that, and you you were born again. But it didn't have to be some dramatic story of of God's deliverance. I mean, that was that was particularly my story. I mean, before I was saved, I had no value of God. I was a, I was drinking every day. I was smoking pot. I was uh, just trying to find my way in life and. And in my early 20s, I got involved in this show called Godspell. I don't know if any of you ever heard of of that show. Uh, I I went to the audition high, and uh, they were looking for somebody to play Jesus. I had long hair. I was like down to here at at that time. I was trying to be a rock star, you know, at that point in my life. But somebody came into a bar and said, hey, we're doing... I was playing foosball in a bar. She said, "Hey, Frank, we're doing we're doing a production of Godspell because she knew I, I'd done shows with her in high school." And she said, "Come, come audition." I'm like, "Nah, nah I'm in a, you know I'm trying to be in a rock band now. I don't really want to do that. You know, I'm out of that theater stuff." So, but then something came to me, and as I'm thinking about it, wait a minute, Jesus, that's got to be the lead. <laughs> the lead. Always loved getting the lead in a show, you know. I was like, you know, I don't be I don't want to be in the chorus, I want to be the lead. So I thought, well, maybe I'll go check it out. So, like I said, I went to the audition and I was a little bit under the influence and walked in and come to find out it was a group of Christians who were putting this show on. Karen Burns sitting right there. She was she was she was there from the very beginning, right, Karen? She was in she was with us in Godspell during that time. And Went to the audition, got the part. I'm like, yes, I'm the lead. But then, as I'm memorizing my lines, my lines were memorizing all of the parables that Jesus taught to his disciples. And so I'm memorizing the Word of God, and didn't realize it at the time, memorizing God's Word. And, and then, I'm, as I'm doing that, the Christian influences in the show what are these people that are so weird always saying praise the Lord and let's pray and you know it was like but I stayed in that environment but but I, I could see now I can see the miracle that God drew me you know he took me I wasn't even looking for him but he sent somebody into a bar to get me and then and then I ended up in the show and then by the end of the show there was one particular lady her name was Lori who was very influential and just ministered to me and I watched her her witness and her t- and she was always joyful she was always she'd get frustrated but then she'd say let's pray let's pray and I just spoke to my heart so much and during at some point during the show God drew me and I just said I, I want to have what you have and that's when I prayed and I got saved and um, and that night's performance was completely different <laughs> because something happened in me so so I didn't really have a sense to, as a value of God at that point. But then when I became saved, after that, I began to see what God was, had done for me in his word. And I became increasingly thankful for that, all that God had done. And my value of him went through the roof. The revelation of all that God has done for us in the, is the foundation upon which we build our sense of value and appreciation of him. But that knowledge comes through his word. The intimate knowledge of God through his word will cause us to love him more and more. And as I said once before in in a message I I, I shared, to know him is to love him. And we get to know him through his word. Now, I want to contrast something because some people say, well, I love God because he's because of all the things that he's done for me in my life and, and, and all of these experiences that I've had with him and, and, you know, he's healed me and he's done this and he's done that. But experience, you can't base your love for God, I mean, you can appreciate God for all he does for us, but the true value of God can only come through his word, His Word, because our experiences can change. You know, if you're basing your value of God on, on your experiences and how God makes you feel, then you're on shaky ground because when something turns and your feelings turn and all of a sudden you know life isn't going so well and you're not feeling the presence of God in your life at that particular moment, your value is going to go like this, up and down, based on your feelings. That's why we have to look to the Word of God and only the Word of God to base our our value of Him because that is where the truth is. And we already said the truth will make us free. Amen? So as we develop a daily habit of reading God's Word... And meditating in his word, we will discover so many reasons to be thankful and to value the Lord more than anything else. And as somebody had said this one time, that God's word is his love letter to us. You know, we, we, his word reveals how much he loves us, how much he's done for us, how much he wants to do for us, how much he, he is, is willing to give, and he, and he gave it all in his Son. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I underline those two phrases. When we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, we will do all of these things. And it will result in us giving thanks to the Father through him. Amen? So after after that, after we know what comes first, and we all know it's the chicken, right? Okay. What's next? Our love and appreciation for God grows as we learn to embrace by faith the amazing truth and promises of his word. Now, I say embrace by faith because, you know, it's possible to know what the Bible says without it actually having any effect on our lives or our attitude toward God. We see this in Hebrews chapter 4. And um, the author here is speaking of the children of Israel in the wilderness. He said, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them in the wilderness. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Just because we read our Bible and understand you know, the meaning of the scripture, we can understand intellectually what the scripture is saying, doesn't mean that we value God or, or know him intimately. It can be head knowledge without being heart knowledge. You know, that, that 18 inches from here, you know, that it, the head knowledge has got to drop down into your heart. And when it becomes heart knowledge, then it's a revelation to you. And then you can embrace it by faith. In Matthew chapter 15, Here's another example. In verse 8, it says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The, it's the, he's talking about the Pharisees and, and the religious people of that day. They're, they're, they would praise him and they would honor him. And they would sing psalms and do all these things. But he said, their hearts are far from me. So they knew the word. The Pharisees had a knowledge of the word. Inside and out, some of these guys, man, they could talk you under the table. They were so knowledgeable in, in the law, in the word of God, that they could run circles around you. You couldn't, you couldn't win a debate with them unless you, were, unless you came with your A game and you really knew the law. But they didn't have a clue who God really was. Their hearts were so hardened that they, they couldn't even recognize their own Messiah that was standing right in front of them. He was there right in front of them, and they're trying to talk and, and, and confuse him and trick him, but their hearts were so hard, even though they knew the word, but they didn't recognize Jesus as their Messiah. You know, <clears throat> this is why people don't respond to the gospel. You ever you ever wonder that? You know, there are people who respond to the gospel, you tell them what Jesus did for them and on the cross, you tell them he died for their sins. You tell them all of the, the wonderful things. The gospel, which is good news, that's what it, the, gospel, the word gospel means, good news. You're telling them good news, but they're like, nah, I don't need that. I was like that. You know, I made fun of Christ- Christians, you know, Jesus freaks, and we called them, and, you know, holy rollers or whatever. I don't even know, do they have a term today for, for people that are born-again Christians? But I, I would make fun of them. But I didn't respond, even though I heard the gospel a number of times. And, but as the word of God, God had to get me in an environment, obviously, where I was surrounded by His word, because I, I was a hard head, you know, and I was and I was bound to to alcohol and other things, smoked cigarettes too, um, and I was bound to all these different things. But gradually, little by little, the word of God began to, I began to think about it. Jesus really said this. You know, And then I, I, I got a Bible, and I, I go and I pull up the family Bible. <laughs> Dust goes flying off of it. Did Jesus really say this? <laughs> Big pages. And I would read, and I said, yeah, he really said this stuff. I didn't learn that in the church that I went to, or I wasn't listening, which is probably more, more the case. But, but then as God began to change my heart with his word, and he drew me to him, that's when I responded to the gospel. But people, it takes time. It's, that's why we have to be diligent about planting seeds, about telling people, Jesus loves you, uh, saying, you know, letting them know the word of God, planting little seeds here and there. And as, and as we plant and then, then as we water other people who, who somebody else has planted the seed, we begin to water it. But then at some point, God gives the increase. I must have been hearing the gospel how many times? I don't even know, but... But it took till I was in my early 20s before my eyes were opened and God gave the increase and he brought me into his kingdom. In John chapter 5, here's another example. Jesus was talking, again, to the religious people. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. This is a picture of religion and why religious people have such a hard time grasping the concept of having a relationship with God. Because they think if we do this and we do this and we do this and we live a good enough life and, and the scale is, you know, when I die, if, if the good is up here on the scale and the bad is down here and the good outweighs the bad, then I'll make it. I'll make it into heaven. But that's not how it works. It's one sin. And we're all sinners and we all need to be forgiven no matter what. We all got our our hang-ups and our and the things that that the sins that easily beset us. And it, and we're all different, but Jesus loves us all the same. And he wants to draw all of us into his kingdom and help us in those areas to be transformed, to be more like him. So, we, on the other hand, unlike the Pharisees, have come to Jesus And we have every reason to value the Lord above all else and be grateful to Him. But if we don't value and believe what He said, we won't value Him as we should. Now, there are people in my life I value. I value Pastor Jeff. I value Pastor Jeremy. I value my wife. I value other people in my life. And I respect them. And because I respect and value them, if they say something to me, even though I may not like it sometimes... (laughs) I honor it, and I respect it, and I'm learning to do that more and more, that I believe what they say, and I believe the heart behind what they say is true, and so therefore, I accept it, and I receive it, and I begin to adjust my life according to it because of the value that I have. from. How much more, when God says something, amen? How much more, when God says something, should we value what he says, especially after all he did? There's nobody in this world that has hung upon a cross that has had a a crown of thorns pressed into his head where blood streamed down his face, whipped until his flesh was revealed and, and torn off his body and then crucified and died. Nobody and then took all of my sins and all the sins of the world upon himself and then died and paid the price so that I can have a relationship with the Father. How much more should I value his word? How much more should I value what he says about me and and obey what he tells me to do? (sighs) Because he would never tell us to do something that wasn't for our blessing, that wasn't for our good. It may be hard, it may be difficult, but when we do it, we're going to see the fruit, we're going to see the result of it. Later down the road, I could tell you some stories where I had to walk out some really, really hard things. But when I obeyed God, and I got on track and I started doing what he told me to do. I saw him turn situations around in my life and and it were literal miracles happened in my life because but when I was off doing my own thing in my own idolatry of self will, you know, God's like, "Well, all right. I'm going to just let you, you know, you reap what you sow. But he will forgive us for those things if we come back to him." He will forgive us, and he does it time and time and time again. And he will restore us into that that place of fellowship with him again, that that sweet fellowship that he comes to offer all of us. So after we are saved, that's the basic. God loved us first. He came first. And then we receive his word and what he's done for us by faith in our hearts. There's an effect that that has. There's an effect that that has. Have you ever heard? The the term placebo effect? The placebo effect? Uh, We have medical people here today. You know, what? obviously, you know what that means. So I better get this right. (laughs) In a very basic definition, uh, it's the effect that occurs when someone is given a placebo or like a sham medicine. It's not real. It's not the real medication. But it still causes them to feel better, even though what they have taken is not the actual medication medication for their condition. Is that close? All right, she's not really Okay, good. In a, natural, in a natural sense, it would seem that the placebo effect indicates that our minds have the power to regulate our bodies and bring relief of symptoms without the actual treatment. But I, I thought about this, and I said, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, I see this placebo effect as nothing more than the result of having faith or trusting in something that has no real power or lasting power other than what the recipient gives to it. So it's kind of connected to, I believe that this is going to make me feel better. And if you believe, you know, you'll get some results because the mind is a powerful th- a powerful thing. And it regulates your whole body. So, so the more we understand now how we are loved by God and embraced by faith the incredible truths of his word, the more we can experience what I'm going to call, and it was the title, the gratitude effect. This is nothing like the placebo, obviously, because what we're trusting is, is one who has the true power to deliver, heal, change, and save. And I told you earlier that one of the things that I uh, used to do is smoke cigarettes. God delivered me from cigarettes, and he did it through a time of praise and worship, a time of thanking him for his deliverance, I, I remember I remember it vividly. I was in my room and i was I was smoking two packs of cigarettes a day I mean well, back then they were seventy five cents a pack you know imagine that and uh and I just wanted to be delivered I've been saved and i'm I'm going to church and I'm like, God, I know you don't want me to do this. this is killing my body and and, and I, you know I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, and I don't want to destroy my temple so I de- sought him for deliverance and as i began to just thank him. He, I began to praise him, and then it began to build and began to build. And for like a half an hour, I'm in my room praising the Lord, sweat pouring off of my brow. And I'm saying, thank you, God, for delivering me. I thank you that your word says I am not a slave to sin. I thank you, Lord, that you said in your word that you have delivered me from, from all the bondage of the enemy, Lord. And this is bondage in my life, and I want it gone. And, and, and as I praised him, I fell to my knees, exhausted, and I felt something just kind of lift off of me like a, a release, a peace. They came and I, I looked at the I remember looking at the clock and it said at six oh two PM on August second, I was delivered from smoking. And I, I just made a I made a faith statement, you know. I didn't know what else to do. I was a young Christian and I and I just received it by faith. But you know, after that, I still I still experienced withdrawal symptoms. I still, you know, would see a cigarette and I'm like, no, I still thought, well, I could go to the store. No, I'm not going to go to the store. I said, no, God has delivered me. And I walked that out. And I had to walk it out. And I still experienced a lot of the, the symptoms. I would love, love to say that, you know, I was just delivered and, and uh, you know, I didn't have any more desire to smoke. But that wasn't true. I walked it out by faith. And I, I stood on the word of God and said, Lord, you've delivered me. And I continued to walk it out. And eventually the, the withdrawal symptoms left. The desire left, and I haven't smoked in you know, 30-something years, you know, and I have no desire to do that. So so I say that because this is the gratitude effect. When you value God and you thank him and you value him more and you thank him more, there's great power that's available to us as we do that. And let's look at a, just a couple of biblical examples, and then we'll close. Uh, we see, you know, the story in Acts chapter 16 Paul and Cyrus, Silas, were in prison, and they were singing hymns to God. The prisoners were listening, you know, so it must have been pretty good music. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors and the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately, I already said that, all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. So the effect of valuing God above all else. We will have a joy and a faith that rises above our circumstances and overflows in praise and thanksgiving. Man, being in, a Rome, being in a prison is not a cool thing, especially the types of prisons they had back then. In chains. And they what did they do? Did they commiserate with everybody? No. They, they actually were thanking God, and they considered it an honor to suffer for the Lord. And they began to sing praises to him. And then the chains were loosed. That the earthquake and their chains were loosened. Everybody else is in the prison as well. So you valuing God and 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 praising Him in the midst of your circumstance will not only have an effect effect on you, but it will have an effect on the others. The other prisoners were also set free because of their value of God and thanks. In this place of faith, we invite God to move in power on our behalf. I'll say that again. In this place of faith, we invite God to move in power on our behalf. Amen? You know there's great power in faith. How many remember, you know, what it says in the Bible? That if you say to this mountain, be removed, cast in the sea, and do not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say will come to pass, it will, it will happen. There's great faith. Faith of a mustard seed, Jesus said. So, all hell, all hell can be breaking loose in your life. But you can have this quiet confidence that God is working all things together for your good. Amen? And it comes through this value and this this, this praising of the Lord. No, no situation can overcome you because your focus is on him and him alone. Philippians 4, 6, 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, no matter what you're going through, he says, Don't be anxious about anything. But how many times are we anxious about everything? (laughs) You know, we're kind of the opposite. Don't be anxious for anything, but pray. But pray and thank the Lord. Thank him for what? Thank him for what his word says about your situation. Whatever your situation, go to the word of God and say, Lord, I know I'm going through this, but your, your word says this. I know I'm, 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 I'm feeling sick, but by his stripes, I was healed. I know that I'm, I'm suffering financial problems right now, but you said, Lord, that as we give it, will be given unto us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall be given unto you that the generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will be watered himself. I don't have the addresses of those but you know when you build the word of God into you it'll come up it'll just come up. And that's the importance of being in your in your Bible, in your word. So finally, I'm going to talk about something that just blew me away. After all these years, I didn't really see this until I until I put it in the context of this message. In Matthew 26 we see in, 20, in verse 26 and 27, we see the Last Supper. We have heard this scripture a million times every time we have communion. And it says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when they had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he, he gave it to them saying, drink from it. All of you, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And as I looked at this, I thought, Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. But what what was the bread? What did the bread represent? Did Jesus know what he was going to be going through the next day and the passion that he he went through? So he's holding this piece of bread in his hand. And he knows this represents my body, and I know that this is going to... And then he, then he gave thanks for it. And then he began to tear pieces off, and he gave it to his disciples. Breaking, he knew that he was, his body was going to be broken. He knew that he was going to be torn apart. His flesh would be torn off his body, and not all these things were going to happen to him. But he saw it, and he knew it, and he gave thanks for that body that he was about to subject to the cruelty of the human race the cruelty of the enemy who thought he was going to win a victory through it by the way but he didn't so he <clears throat> and, and it, that just blew me away that just made me even more thankful that Jesus could do that that he could take something like this and, and know that it, the suffering that he was going to endure and that he still gave thanks to God thank you God you. This is my body. It's going to be broken for them. And it was literally broken. But he was still thankful to God. And he did the same thing. This is my blood of the covenant. But he gave thanks. I said when he had given thanks, he gave him the cup. This is my blood. He knew that the next day his blood would be spilled out on the ground. He knew that he would have a spear in his side. He knew that he would have the crown of thorns and that Blood would stream down his face. He knew that that they would whip him with a cat of nine-tails and they would tear the flesh off his back. They knew he knew that he was gonna have na- nails in his in his wrists and in his feet, and that he was gonna suffer and bleed. Thank you, Lord, for what I'm about for what I'm about to go through. Doesn't that blow you away to think about? It did me. He was about to go through the greatest suffering that anyone had ever endured. And he gave thanks to God for the very body and blood that he was about to offer us, up for us. How could he do this? How could he possibly do this? He, he did it because he valued his father so much. He loved his father so much and he valued him and he, that he submitted himself wholeheartedly and completely to him. But you know what else? He also did it because he valued us. He, ba- he valued Beth. He valued Afia. He, val- he valued Brad and, and Kalani and Tamara and every one of us in here. He valued us so much that he was willing to do this, not only be- for his father, because he, but he knew what, what he was about to do was going to do for the earth, for all generations. And it would start the greatest move of God world had ever seen in the Christian faith. We kind of get a glimpse of this in Hebrews chapter 12. It tells us to look unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy that was set before him, what joy? The joy, he saw what was going to happen. Yeah, I got to go through this. I'm thankful for my body. I'm thankful for my blood that I'm, it's going to hurt and it's going to be awful. And might, I'm not, God's going to turn his back on me because I've taken all the sins of the world upon me. But what it's going to do for them, what it's going to do for you, and what it has done for so many millions and millions of people over the, over the, the millennia, he saw the joy that was set before him and the fact that he was going to be exalted. And it's seated at the right hand of God for all eternity to be called Lord. He despised the shame, but now he's seated there. This is the effect of valuing God. This can be the effect of valuing God. But we have to truly grow in our value of him. We will gladly give thanks and praise to him in all things and experience the riches of his kingdom in our lives and then we can do what 1st Thessalonians says chapter 5 excuse me rejoice always hallelujah pray without ceasing in everything give thanks to god for what for this is the will of god in Christ Jesus for us for you for me it's his will to be for us to be thankful. But why? Because of the effect that it has in our lives. He doesn't want us just to bow down and worship him and thank him because he's God. He wants that personal relationship, that personal connection with us, that as we discover him in his word, as we are born again, that's the first step. That's the first step. If there's anybody here that has never given their life to Jesus, we're going we're gonna to pray. And we're going to ask you to start this journey to begin to learn what it means to value God and all the things that he wants to do, the wonderful things that he wants to do in your life. But as we do this, it says right here, this is his will because we can rejoice. We can pray. We can give thanks in everything, in every situation because this is the will of God. And we want to do the will of God. How many want to do the will of God? So we're going to give thanks to, to God in all things. Amen. Father, I just thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for what you have done. Lord, I thank you for your word, your precious, holy, written word. And I thank you for the, the truth that it contains, the truth to make us free. Father, I thank you that, that Lord, as your word goes into our hearts, Lord God, that you begin to do a work, Father. You begin to, to cultivate our hearts, Lord, as we give thanks to you, as we value you and we give thanks to you, Lord. There's that connection between us and you lord and that it's a statement of faith lord to thank you in all things whether whether we have uh, some good thing to thank you for or or even in the midst of bad things to thank you lord that there's an exchange there's a connection by your holy spirit lord to you and it's and it's a language of faith so father as we do that i just thank you lord that you are you are going to come lord i thank you for those here today lord that have heard this lord and that your word would would dwelled richly in them father that that we'd be able to give thanks to you for all things so father thank you today that you are with us you never leave us or forsake us and that lord this as we continue to learn about the value in your kingdom lord that we will grow closer and closer and closer to you become more like your son jesus lord and we will experience all of the 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 blessings of your kingdom in our lives as we draw near to you father every day thank you father for this and as i said if if you're here today and you you're not sure maybe maybe you don't know whether or not you're saved if if you if you were to die today could you honestly answer the question you know will i go to heaven and that's really the that's really the question because if you can't answer that question in a positive, then that means you haven't really received by faith the gospel. And the gospel is that Jesus came and, and gave his life for us. He died on the cross for our sins and to, so that we could become righteous in God's eyes. We could have a right relationship with him. And when we have that right relationship with him, when we do die, when we, our spirits leave our bodies, we will be with him. The Bible says for all eternity we will be in his presence So if you're not sure of that today. Or you, you just have heard the word and heard the word, but you haven't responded yet. I just want to give an opportunity for anyone here. To receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior for the first time to come into this wonderful relationship with him and begin a a new life that will transform you and bring all of the, the power and blessings of God to you. If that's you today. You here or online if you just raise your hand just just once here just raise it up and put it back down and then we thank you Lord thank you Lord and we're just going to pray a prayer to to do to receive Jesus as Lord or if you're here if you're here today and maybe you were once close to the Lord and you <clears throat> walked away maybe you things happened in life and you just couldn't uh, you, you just couldn't uh, rectify it and with your faith, and, and so you kind of walked away from God. This, is, this prayer is for you here today, too. You could come back to Jesus. All you, you may have messed up and made a lot of mistakes, but, you know, I'm living proof that God can redeem any situation and can restore you and heal you and redeem you. So if that's you today, pray this prayer as well, and I believe. That this will be the first day of the rest of your life, and you will begin to to walk with the Lord and find that peace and that joy and that relationship with him again in life, totally forgiven and totally free. So let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, that he came to the earth and died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I'm a sinner Lord I've messed up and I need a savior I can't save myself your word says that but you are the only one who can save me you're the only one that can restore my life and bring me to a place of relationship with you so Lord right now I just ask you to come. I yield my heart and my spirit to you. And I ask you to come into my life and become Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to set me on a path that is walking pleasing to you. I thank you for this, Lord. And I thank you
1: That right now,
0: I repent of my sins. I turn away from them and I turn to you. Thank you, Jesus. In your mighty name, I thank you for saving me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for healing me, spirit, soul and body. I will walk with you for the rest of my days. No turning back. No turning back in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you prayed that prayer here for the first time or if you need prayer to help, if you've walked away and came back to the Lord and today, tell somebody about it. Come up and talk to Pastor Jeff, Pastor Jeremy, myself. Uh, the, there's elders here too. Let somebody know that you, you've decided to follow Jesus and there's no turning back. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a blessed Thanksgiving. And don't eat too much turkey.